drink in our hands. Welcome to Unchecked Identity. I'm Michelle Stewart. And I'm Natalie Briere. This is a podcast about creative identity. It's a space dedicated to elevating the creatives in our community and sharing how our lived experiences have influenced our art forms. Today is also a really special day. It is quite literally Michelle's birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, Michelle. Thank you, Nat. Um, So I'm super excited and I have a creative question for you. Um, Besides this podcast, what will 27 years of being a creative kind of look like in this new year? Hmm. Um, I guess what I hope it looks like is more live performances. I'd actually like to take some writing classes for my poetry as well to grow my writing. Uh, If Ocean Vaughn is hosting any classes, (laughs) that would be ideal. Um, And I'd like to, I'd like to dive back into my photography a bit more as well. Mm -hmm. I kind of miss that. Yeah. I would love to see you dive into photography. Um, And if you ever need a model. Oh, you'll be the first I call. (laughs) Um, so in this episode on this special day, uh, Michelle and I will each be performing an original piece followed by a deep dive about growing up in an immigrant household, the trauma of college, what the fuck is the universe doing and gratitude for each other. So sit back, put on your party hat, turn up the volume and enjoy Michelle's original piece ripple effects. Teaching a girl to idolize the institutions that oppress her is no small thing. I once challenged a professor on their elitism. They were keen to remind me of a truth which upholds their hierarchy. Not everyone like you can be here. Their voice, calm and direct. You should feel lucky. You should do better. You should be more than what you are, as if holding the weight of two worlds isn't work enough, a balancing act I've practiced every day since I can remember, code switch. Em muitos espaços, não me sinto brasileira. Tão pouca americana da forma perfeita, code switch. As if navigating a double consciousness isn't work enough, a kind of aphasia washed through me, code switch. Um privilégio, eu sei, nascer neste país. Mesmo desconectada. Minha identidade é uma dança, tipo capoeira, uma batalha também. Code switch. In that moment, I felt so small. The insignificance woven into me. I, a loose thread fighting to hold it together. I, a variable within a model made for an archetype that could never be me. That could never feel what I feel. Have you ever felt? the pain of your mother's cry, the third call that year, another family member dead who you only knew by name, the pain of losing the main characters in your mother's bedtime stories, like losing ghost limbs you haven't felt in years, consequences of migration, I suppose. 
Generational tides roll over and the memory of familiar waters, a distant dream. Can you tell me who you come from? What I mean is, could you list them by name? My mother often tells me, filha, você tem tudo que essa sociedade deseja. Beauty, intelligence, and youth, a holy trinity of delusion hung over her mantle. The same American dream that carried her beautiful smile across oceans to be here. No, mine. This place wasn't built for us, but you had the strength to carve into it anyway. You, with the laughter of a thousand crashing waves. Mine, your eyes always water when you laugh as if you carried the waters of Sao Paulo with you, as if not to forget what it took to be here. Sacrifice is not big enough a word. From immigrant to first generation, from mother to daughter, I will take your chisel and I'll sharpen it. I will carve into this place until it bleeds home for my daughter and her daughter too, so they may never feel this kind of yearning. This painful hunger with an abundance of names, educated, assimilated, citizen, American. May they never feel like an imposter in their own mind. May they know the shape of every wave that carries them. And may they birth ripple effects that free the women after them. good I had tears in my eyes especially by the end Michelle um there is so much in this piece and the way that you delivered it was extremely passionate and extremely diverse in the in the ways that that you spoke these words it was it was sometimes intimate and sometimes intense and sometimes angry and there were just so many volumes and layers to this piece that that as a audience member as someone listening to you it really it it really came across it really just showed um what you're trying to say and how how connected this is to your personal experience and your personal being it was so amazing. It was so amazing. I cannot reiterate that enough. Thank you. Thank you. That, um, that means a lot because this piece means a lot to me and I kind of ebb and flow with it. Like sometimes I read it and there's a sense of disassociation from me. And sometimes I read it and I feel so connected that it like it's painful. It hurts. And today I had a family member I was talking to message me um, and tell me that they often think about what my family went through after my dad left us here. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't really expecting it. Like the conversation wasn't going in that direction, Yeah. but they brought it up and they said they often think about how hard it must have been. And I think all those feelings came back because we've built a life for ourselves that is so different from when I was a kid, you know? Mm. And sometimes I feel like it was another life. Like, mm. um, it feels like a dream sometimes, everything that happened and everything that we went through and everything my mom had to do. Um, I mean, all the fear, like the daily fear of just 
being found out as an undocumented person and having little to no resources to give your kids the life that you want them to have. Um, and me not understanding that until I got older, but also weirdly like understanding that in waves mm -hmm. because there wasn't really a sit down conversation about like why our lives was the way that it was. Mm -hmm. But you start realizing how you're different from like other people at your school or other families. I can only imagine how difficult it was for you to write this piece, kind of how this piece formed, which I guess would be kind of like my first question is like, how long did it take you to write this piece? And then in that process, like where did this piece kind of come into the front of your mind and maybe develop a little bit? So um, there's this really cool magazine um, that was published every semester at my at the university that I went to and they would take in poems to publish in their magazines and so I wanted to write this piece and publish it and so I wrote it um, I didn't do much editing but I did send it into the magazine hoping that it would get published and they rejected it hmm. um, probably because of the first, <laughs> two, lines. The first two lines yeah that probably didn't look so good them so anyways that's how it started I wanted to write a piece that was honest to myself and how I was feeling and at the time there was a lot going on I was uh, I think I was a junior and my mom was struggling to get her citizenship at the time so finally like starting the process and I couldn't financially help her as much as I wanted to I would go to appointments um, with her lawyer as much as I could, but they were really far. And um, as you know, junior year is hectic as it is. Yes. There was like a lot of exams, a lot of, a lot of shit riding on the table. Um, so I just, I wasn't there for her enough as much as I wanted to be for that process at the time. Around the same time, I had a professor who's also an immigrant himself. Um, and he kind of knew a bit of my story. And um, I was struggling a bit in his class because he was, his assignments were really um, demanding mm -hmm. compared to my other classes. And I was working full time as mm -hmm. I had been throughout all of college. So yeah, this one conversation after class, I was just trying to explain where I was coming from. And his reaction, you know, wasn't quite what I expected. And I think it was, it felt a bit like a kick while I was down. Mm. Um, and I just remembered crying a lot yeah. <laughs> that year and in that first line um teaching a girl to idolize the institutions that oppress her mm -hmm. ever since powerful line. yeah yeah I really felt that way because ever since I was a young girl like all I wanted to do was go to college yeah and my biggest strength was like my mind but also all the adults around me made it sound inevitable like when you go to college yeah. because I was bright and smart and so that's the future that they saw for me but when I got to college it wasn't what I expected at all and I think a lot of people you know experience that I thought it was going to be this revolutionary thing and it was yeah. in a lot of positive ways but it also was in a lot of like hurtful negative ways as well and it was a really traumatic experience yeah. being someone who didn't fit into the mold not only was I working full-time, but I was taking on extracurricular things like being a research assistant, being a teacher assistant, anything I could do to yeah. bump up my resume. Um, but I wasn't a person for yeah. like years because I just, I was running on fumes. Like there wasn't anything there. 
so I felt like the, you know, the institution, like the place that I had always dreamt of being in, once I got there, I couldn't even fully be myself because, because of all the struggle. Yeah. I think with college um, and universities, there's this image that the students are the same. And I think colleges work actively to say, you know, we realize we have a diverse student population and we try to be equitable and help all of our students. But in reality, with institutions so big and so historically rigid, that's, that isn't the reality. Right. And I feel like, I feel like this whole, uh, this whole spoken word piece actually has a couple of like key lines. I don't know that I, that I was especially drawn to, I yeah. guess. Um, I really liked when you focused on holding the weight of two worlds, speaking about like American identity but a Brazilian identity and like as if that wasn't enough like I think that line is it's really impactful and one thing that you know I love about you and I love about these spoken word pieces is that you include Portuguese and I know we talked about this in the past but also that you do it almost unapologetically like you don't explain what you have to what you're saying in mm -hmm. English like you hold these pieces of yourself within you in the way that that you want to and like that is enough and like just having that opposite line in your spoken word piece where like as if that wasn't enough is so it's impactful it really is and and I think I just see you claiming so much in these pieces it, it does feel like a balancing act sometimes mm -hmm. it really does and in the moments where I don't think I've ever felt ashamed of like of being Brazilian or even that my mom is undocumented that's not shameful to me at all yeah. but I have felt other people's judgment mm -hmm. and I've felt even judgment from my own community you know I've had friends of the family ask my brother and I why we didn't try harder mm -hmm. to get my mom her papers sooner mm -hmm. not realizing that like we were kids yeah. like we didn't even know what that meant you know yeah. it was just really confusing and um I think the people who helped my mom the most were like other adults in her life who had gone through a similar process. Mm -hmm. And we were there for her as much as we could be, but I don't think she wanted to lay that at our feet either. Yeah. You know, there was like, she's always been just so loving and like, she's always just wanted us to focus on our own lives and yeah. building something for ourselves. And she's never expected us to like build something for her, mm -hmm. but we want to. And yeah. that's why we do everything that we do. I guess I also want to dive into um, your mom, like, because I think you also referenced her in the last piece that you did yeah. and just like, and you could choose to dive into this as much as you want, but just how you identify with your mother, because it clearly has a deep effect on, on you as well as your, your art form and your creativity and kind of how it flows through you. And especially that last line that you have, and I may get this wrong, but saying like, I will, first off, I will carve into this earth and like make it my own. That's a really powerful line. And just, I, that, is, that has a lot of like imagery and just a lot of intense, intense intention behind that action. I, I just think that that lineage and that line is very beautiful and, and image wise, it captures kind of like this love for your mother and then transcends it into the future and how you, want to think about the future and I guess what my my question would be is just how does your mom affect your art mm. loaded yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like dig into it dig not into it yeah no I mean 
I, I think she affects my art because she has influenced my life overall mm-hmm. in so many ways. Um, and I don't want to lie and say that our relationship has always been this one of me admiring her mm-hmm. and me being proud of everything that she's done, because to be honest, it hasn't. It's been tumultuous in many ways, especially because of all the struggle that we went through. I went through a really, really long phase. I don't know if phase is the right word, but just really long period where I was angry at her mm-hmm. for the choices that she made. and upset that she decided to stay here after my dad left. I thought that the right choice was going home to our family Mm -hmm. in Brazil and being with our family. But she wanted to to make something more. She wanted something else for us. And we didn't have anything to compare that to other than the beautiful moments and memories we had when we were home in Brazil as kids, which were just so like, I romanticized those moments so much because I lost my grandparents at a pretty young age. Mm -hmm. 13 is when my grandmother died and my grandfather died when I was a teenager. And so those moments became like idolized in my mind, like totally romanticized. And I convinced myself that if we had just gone to Brazil, that our lives would have been so much better, that we would have had love and family and support and resources. And maybe in some ways that's true, but in other ways I had no real, I had no reality to actually compare that to. I went there to be there with my family. So I was sheltered and protected and like given these beautiful moments. Mm -hmm. But my mom knew another side that I hadn't known, had never known. Mm And that I probably still can't fully understand to this day. Yeah. But so there was just a lot of, for a long time, there was a lot of like subtle resentment and anger for the choices that she made. Um, and a lot that I actually like refused to talk to her about. Mm-hmm. As open a person I am, I just think I wasn't ready to like open those gates. Yeah. Um, and it was in my early adulthood where we finally started having conversations about the choice that she made. And I finally started being honest because the narrative in my family had always been that like my mom was this savior and survivor and warrior Mm -hmm. that brought us into this like amazing life. And I think she is all of those things, Mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like our life was amazing. I didn't understand why we were struggling so hard to have so little in a country that wouldn't even recognize my family as legitimate. And there was just so much anger. I think it transcended her, to be honest, now that I talk about it openly. I think the anger was like at this country. It was at this government. It was at everyone. I was just so angry. And I think I'm still working through that, to be honest. But so she's affected my art form in the way that I think those emotions, like those really intense, deep emotions carry onto the page when I'm Mm -hmm. writing. But I also equally like, I do admire what she did Mm -hmm. because I remember how much pain she was in when I was younger. And I remember her working late and I remember her doing everything so I could have things like the Barbie house that I wanted and things like, you know, the clothes that girls at my school were wearing, things that just don't fucking matter, Mm -hmm. but they matter to me. So they mattered to her. And she could have easily been like, those things are, don't matter. What matters more is us having more food in the fridge, us having, you know, our, she always treated our priorities as her priorities. And she fought to give us everything that we imagined we wanted, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you're a kid, you have this imagined reality. Mm -hmm. And she tried so hard to make that reality, like exactly what we wanted it to be. Yeah. She's really magical that way, yeah. you know? She's always, um, she's like a storyteller. She She's always singing. Oh. <laughs> it's so crazy, you know? We'll say something random and she'll be like, there's a song for that. <laughs> you know the song that is? 
and she'll start singing a song in Portuguese and oh we're my like gosh. no mom we've never heard that song <laughs> but it. despite all of the the ugly feelings that I felt mm-hmm. there's no denying like her soul was so beautiful and yeah. she gave me so much passion and like magic and for that I think she for that she shaped my artistic expression in a way that I don't even think she fully understands mm-hmm. that was really beautiful and um you know I've, I've met your mom and she really is like <laughs> one of the cutest people I've met it's been interesting to hear about you know your experience growing up and especially your relationship with her and how it is reflected in your art and how you're able to capture that in, in a really beautiful way in a really clear way too I I do have one one more comment yeah um the other the one the other part of this spoken word piece that I really I find so beautiful and you actually do like a physical motion when you do it which Mm -hmm. I know our audience isn't able to see right now but um once again I feel like you drop like a couple lines in this Mm -hmm. piece that are just they capture a lot of emotions but it's just, it's a confusing, a confusing line that makes you want to like dive into it. Like mm-hmm. the Holy Trinity of delusion. What is that? And I just, I love that, that, that was birthed in your brain and through this story, but how that can also be applied to like literally Christianity. And I think that's actually what I thought um, you were talking about, or also how I interpreted it, this Holy Trinity of delusion within like religion, like we, and how many other things in this space and in this world are also a holy trinity of delusion and it like touches on society and the structure of, of our our nation which is a delusion and it is created and it yeah. and it's been shaped and processed and i just that line is just so powerful thanks let me explain a little more yeah um, because my mom's intention is yes. is positive mm-hmm. But I think it comes from a naive place in a way, you know, seeing us succeed here, that's her dream. And she's been able to watch that be fulfilled in a lot of ways. But beauty, intelligence, and youth, you having those things doesn't guarantee a successful and happy life, you know? And I think in a way that is also a part of her delusion and ties into, in my mind, the American dream, right? When people talk about coming here and fulfilling their lives economically and socially, sometimes they think that that's all it takes, being like a youthful, energetic, beautiful, smart person. You come here and you'll succeed, but they don't realize how many barriers this country has established so that people of color won't succeed. Yeah. And I think for me, that's where the delusion part comes in, mm-hmm. that the American dream is a facade. It's not real. And the way that we talk about immigrants coming here and succeeding is not the way that American-born citizens dream their they're themselves succeeding mm-hmm. or think about their own kids succeeding. That's unacceptable. There are these different standards for immigrants um, that American citizens or white people mm-hmm. wouldn't want for themselves, but they call it success because they don't want undocumented or immigrant people to go any further. Yeah, I believe that. And so for me, getting an education, it is a success, but that's not an ultimate success for me. That's a basic like need yeah. in my eyes, yeah. right? But coming from Brazil where you have to pay so much to have a proper education because the public school system is so underfunded more than here, mm-hmm. you know, having an education like that is really something huge. Mm-hmm. Not that it isn't here, mm-hmm. but I hope you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, you know, again, those different standards. Yeah. 
I, I really like what you had to say and it definitely makes me think of like because I come from like a middle class white family is like the idea of what success means when I was growing up and like how college was assumed and it and it still absolutely is and, and our family is pushed to do it but there were other options for me like being able to study theater being able to pursue a degree which historically and traditionally just you don't make money in you know like or even being able to switch a major halfway throughout my college university like the fact that I could take a risk and switch and I had a somewhat of like a support to do that that is such a privilege and that is such um a privilege for someone you know being born in the United States and also can see how other people who look like them did these things mm -hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that and also just sharing that with this podcast and and that we both can engage in this conversation of like not everyone's experience growing up and specifically like you with an immigrant experience and your mother being undocumented that it's not the same and the barriers that you have faced and the barriers that your mother has faced they exist and they exist for a lot of people out there and like keeping that in the conversation and keeping that reality, the reality of the United States, like not letting that be pushed to the side or forgotten. And the shame and the scary thing of, of white supremacy is that it tries to eliminate barriers because white supremacy and white people don't feel those barriers. So they don't think they exist. And yeah, so I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm, I appreciate this being on our podcast. It means a lot to sit here with you and, and be able to talk about this um, so openly. But I would love to transition to your piece. Okay. okay. That would be great. Do this. So we'll be right back. Yeah. And now enjoy this untitled, trippy, spooky, an incredible original piece produced and written by Natalie. Because I, I don't know how to handle the life 
obsessed with this piece <laughs> I can't wait to get into like how it was created because I know a little bit yes and I want to start with I love like the heavy jazz yeah it felt like three different pieces <laughs> in one piece that all came together so beautifully yeah um and I really felt like the narrative and the beat and the percussion re- really made me feel like I was spinning yeah can you tell me a little bit about what inspired this piece? This this is my first piece that I've done on Logic. Um, I had enrolled in an online Berkeley course. Uh, specifically during COVID, I was feeling a bit lost. And um, through talking with my therapist, we had kind of decided, like, let's make a decision in your life that has a positive impact, you know, something that you wanted to do, something that will give you stimulation. So yeah, so getting back into like making my own music was a big step towards trying to express myself musically. And in all honesty, this course was so difficult. And I was in such a wide range of people, like full on people who were already producers, some people who were beginners like myself. Um, But it taught me so much. And it also gave me this massive release by creating this piece. And so this is the first piece I've ever made on Logic. It's not finished. Uh, I like to say I, this isn't my uh, quote originally. Someone said this and I really liked it, but you know, it's not done, but it's like shareable. Um, and I was pretty p- proud of creating, you know, this one minute little piece that kind of captured how I had been feeling about the past year in this, in this software, which was all new. So I especially like the chorus. I take <laughs> big steps to conquer, but then I fall down and life keeps spinning round. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe what you feel or what you're thinking um, singing those lyrics? Yeah, I feel like I get stuck, and I think a lot of people feel this way, but get stuck in a kind of cycle and a loop. And at the time, the loop I was stuck in was focusing so much on um, how unhappy I was in life that I couldn't get out of that focus. Like I could go out with friends and I could see family, but literally the world had turned a shade of gray. Everything was gray. Like no matter what I did, I did not get that nice spark. And I think especially during COVID, a lot of people felt this way. Um, And I did feel this way a little bit earlier because I had lived in Spain for three years and had come and moved back to the US. And that was a really difficult time for me adjusting back into American society and my life here. So this piece, and that chorus specifically is kind of how I feel in like maybe an existential crisis. Like I look up at the sky and I love, I love um, looking up at stars. I love planets. I love being able to see the Milky Way. Like I'm really into uh, just extraterrestrial stuff. Like what's out there. I love the unknown because it makes me think that possibilities are just endless and like you don't know what's happening and so sometimes when I look up at the night sky I start in such like a broad like wow there's so many things out there we're all just like spinning on this planet it's just mind-blowing and then I like slowly come back into myself and I'm like what am I doing on this spinning planet like what's my role on this spinning planet and at the time 
I would have an idea and I would do action steps towards that idea and then it wouldn't come into fruition. And usually that actually was when I was looking for a job, I really struggle with writing resumes and cover letters. Everyone hates them. Uh, and I just like, I, it's a, it's a special kind of trigger for me to have to write so much and in a professional manner. So where I feel stuck and like, I keep getting pushed back is that I can apply to 70 jobs and I won't hear from like six, all of them. them. (laughs) I'll hear from one of them. I'll be like, there's my one. Yeah, and we were talking earlier about, like, the made-up rules of corporate America. Yes. If you don't know that, for example, if you're, that you're supposed to write a thank you email after an interview. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They're not going to exactly. hit you up. It could have exactly. been the best interview of all time. They're not going to contact yeah. you. Yeah, and the way that you write that that thank you email, too, it has to be, in my opinion, it seems extremely fake. If I could just tell you genuinely how I felt, that would be an entirely different email. And yeah, I think, and I think that was kind of what I was getting at, was just feeling pretty stuck in life. But I have to say, and this is like the irony of just fucking life, you know, soon after I decided to enroll in this class and like do something for myself, I also was then taking guitar lessons, guitar lessons and working for a music academy um, in return for those guitar lessons. And then we started this podcast. So it was actually wild because I'm still looking for a job and that clearly me and the universe are way off on Natalie's <laughs> job search, but me and the universe are somewhat in tune when it comes to creativity and yeah. um, like giving back to myself in that way. I think maybe what was happening was I was focusing a bit too much on um, something that one, I don't really care about as much like mm. a, a job, you know, that I don't love that I just that do for money. Yeah. yeah. And then the second I switched to something that I could resonate with, a lot of other things came out of it. Um, so what do you love about this piece? I like that I like that it has like the nature in the beginning because Very I identify cool. a lot yeah. with nature and I think nature is where I feel comfortable. So including nature sounds within my piece actually just is putting part of me and like my comfortability within that piece. One thing I think is so cool and I wanna experiment more with is like three-dimensional music like music that like puts you in like makes you feel like maybe you're doing the actions while you're listening to Whoa. it like I don't know just Is like that what it's called or you no I, I literally just made we're that coining up. this everybody <laughs> but I, mean, I I think music is so magical and it brings up so many emotions and you know there's all those studies that show how music touches yeah, people absolutely. um I mean our auditory systems are so is, sensitive yes yeah it's all just vibrations all just all like vibrations, vibrations people yeah so I really like music that I am curious to explore in what ways music can transport people to like other places so whether that's using nature sounds or you know having a heartbeat in the back of a song and you're talking about um you know like a child being born or something like mm-hmm. that in what ways can you connect your the way that you're hearing things to like other physical sensations in your body I did want to ask you about something else that you mm-hmm. touched upon you said that when you moved back here from Spain um that you felt you had to readjust to American culture and society can you talk a little bit more about about that and maybe your experience in Spain and like what the difference was yeah um I had the great privilege of getting an English teaching job in Spain for a year 
um, and then really fell in love with it and decided to stay for two more years and somewhat like built a life over there um, in terms of Galician community involvement. I became deeply involved with traditional music and joined a group and um, performed and made lots of friends and just really felt comfortable in that space and felt like I was growing every day and being challenged every day, but I wasn't making enough money and it wasn't sustainable. So I did have to make the decision of coming back to the States just because financial reasons are so much more abundant here. Um, and I'm closer to family because I had been away for three years. So yeah, I was, I needed to come back and I did. And, and then I just needed a job. And so, you know, I moved to Boston because it's somewhat close to my family um but I don't know some people call it like reverse culture shock or something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. um but whatever you call it I think going from first extended amount of time or not honestly but if you have like a impactful change that changes who you are as a being Mm -hmm. and then you go back to a state where you can fall into old habits or a state that maybe doesn't understand how you've evolved Mm -hmm. I think that can be really difficult to adjust to and for me specifically, it was lack of community and lack of friends. Mm-hmm. When in Spain, I had I was in such close proximity to friends. Yeah. It was also the work-life balance here was extreme. I did like a 40-hour-a-week job, which is standard, but between the commute and the 40 hours just had like immediate backlash uh, physically, I just, I felt like I wasn't exercising. I wasn't happy. I hated commuting. I hate the aspect of feeling alone on a train and just mm-hmm. listening to my music. Um, and in Spain, I never went through that. I carpooled with fellow teachers and we would always engage oh. in conversations on the way there and laugh. You were just constantly with people. And, and even in the office, that was the other thing, you know, I would sit next to many, many people, but throughout the day, maybe I'd talk to them five or six times and we would grab lunch together but other than that I didn't talk to them and in Spain you would have different breaks everybody would break together everyone would do more things together it was just so communal it was extremely communal and in the United States everything is so individual it really hurt and it really made the experience pretty bad and yeah there was definitely a point where I would just cry on the train ride home every night like every night just coming back I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't take it. And I knew I had to make a change, but I didn't know how because I felt somewhat stuck. And it's unfortunate when you want so much to like be happy where you are and you feel so wrong where you are. Like you just feel so wrong. And I hadn't really experienced that before. Um, And I would say it took probably until COVID for me to kind of get out of that funk because COVID added on a whole other layer of situations. But it also, I felt like pushed me to make some changes in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It it was definitely a tough experience, but I would say overall, it pushed me to go to therapy and that has, that had, that really improved my well-being, honestly. And so now now everything is not gray and like it's filled with color and it's like exactly kind of how I like to live but it was pretty scary like feeling like I could go out with friends and I would just feel sad not like nothing could ever bring excitement or joy thanks for sharing that I didn't realize you were going through that because I think we lived together at the time (laughs) too yeah yeah Um, and it's so interesting how you can 
be so so close to someone like physically and not understand what they're going through yeah and I'd like to say you are officially a Bostonian <laughs> because what? you're not a Bostonian unless you have cried on the MBTA people, <laughs> sitting alone listening it to music so crying fun. on the MBTA but um yeah I love this conversation this was really fun yeah. I had a lot of fun with as this always we always end on this like thank you like this almost like gratitude <laughs> like a gratitude yes, gratitude um, like a like a thank you for sharing this time and yeah. like this space I really like that we end that way I think I wouldn't want to be doing this with anybody else and I definitely Either. couldn't do this by myself <laughs> oh hell no oh my god uh all right folks stay tuned yeah. for another episode of Unstruck Identity peace bye no 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 no